This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join is their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, U.S.U., former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Krafchick, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating, where we dig into the whys of people's behavior, including your own. We are still (laughs) in our off-season slash bonus episode phase, which also means we're ramping up for season 12, which is coming right up. One more week. One more week. One more week. (laughs) Yeah, we're almost there. But it doesn't mean that this episode is not meaty. This is also a very meaty episode. We're bringing back Nikki Novo. We were on her podcast, The Final Swipe, and we just had a lovely conversation with her. So we decided to reuse that episode for this bonus episode. 
Yeah, we love to reshare some of the podcasts we've been on because they're it's a good opportunity to listen to other people, but also hear from yours truly, us. And I feel like this one was interesting to like re-listen to also because we do talk about just like a lot of trends in dating. And a lot of them are things that even were going on pre-pandemic. Like we talk about how we started as a San Francisco-based podcast and now have kind of gone everywhere because we're almost like dating in the future. But it was interesting. Obviously, I won't give away all of the trends because that's what the episode is for. But it was interesting to re-listen to it like months later now that we're still in like essentially quarantine. Like in California, we have now just reopened. Who would have ever known it would be so great to be in the purple tier where it's literally like hair salons and outdoor restaurants like that are open only. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's a luxury. But it's been interesting to like re-listen. And I mean, I think a lot of it has stayed the same, but then there's also, I've been noticing from my own situations, but also from friends that I feel like, you know, I think we thought like at the beginning that there was more of this like, I want to say like coveted first kiss that was happening because people didn't want to risk their safety because of COVID and they wanted to like, if you kissed, it almost like essentially meant that you were like entering a relationship. And I feel like what I've been hearing a lot is like, that isn't the case anymore. And I think it's like byproduct of the fact that we've been in quarantine for now, like almost a year. And I'm not saying it's right in any way. Like, I think it's actually kind of fucked up to be honest, but I think it's really fascinating that people are just like... Like kind of like hitting their wits end with like without physical contact potentially for like a year. So people are going to fuck it up. You know, that's just going to happen <laughs> when you get so lonely and so needing affection. It kind of throws everything else out the window and you're like, you know what? <laughs> if I really want to kiss someone, I'm going to kiss someone. It does put people in danger and it does worry me a little bit. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that people will think twice before they engage in physical activity with each other. But it also means that people can say whatever they want just to get a little oh, a little something something totally I think like for me I'm definitely going to make a rule for myself that I don't like kiss anyone until we've had at least a couple of socially distanced dates because I think there is this like emotional like false intimacy that happens with video and phone dates that you feel like you're on like a third date and you're not and I think I personally like I'm like like I would feel fucked over essentially if I like kiss someone and they disappear I know it's like mm. funny to say that because I used to just like make out with everyone on dates but like it's kind of like when you have sex and then you don't hear from them again Mm. because you're like they're now putting you in physical danger even worse potentially so I don't know I think there's just like a feeling of kind of like feeling like you're like someone's like quarantine buster like feeling like used a little that I just don't want for myself personally and also you don't know who they're kissing right if they're they're freely kissing you yeah exactly they're probably out there just the kissing bandit as they call it (laughs) another thing that's been interesting I've heard is like people more and more people inviting people over for the first date to their Mm. home and like I had a friend recently that she's like should I do it should I not do it it's like downpouring and I was like I wouldn't do it but like I can't tell you what to do like I wouldn't do and I think actually someone posted this in our group too and it's kind of like you have to look at like would you do this behavior like before quarantine in COVID like Mm -hmm. I would never go to a random stranger from the internet's home but she ended up doing it she did message me like his name name, photo, 
address. What is this? Contact tracing? Basically, she's like, if I'm not, if I don't text you by like 9 a.m. tomorrow, like send out the search party for me. Oh my God. I'm like less worried about that and more worried about the germs that this other person's bringing into your home. Like, I I, I think that your chances of getting COVID are a lot higher than the chances of being a serial killer. Right? I, I just think there's there's more health implications. It's kind of insane because I don't even invite friends over. No. But I also do have friends who have the same rules, like they don't have friends over, but they will have a random stranger over for a one-night stand. <laughs> it's uh, contradictory a little it bit. It is. Huh? But then at the same time, it's like, I get it. Like, we can't put our dating lives on holds completely because it's already been a year. Like, like, I know there's a vaccine in sight, but like, it might not be for another six months. And I think... If we all knew like the vaccine was surely coming by March, maybe that would change the behavior. But I think people have lost trust a little in these like timelines a bit. Mm. So I I see it from the other perspective. But I'm also like, we've come this far, like don't want to sacrifice health either for like a kiss that means nothing, you know? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, is it going to be worth it in the end? Right. You have to like think about that the next day of like, was this worth it? (laughs) You know, like, and it's tough with dating because it's like, if this person ends up being the love of your life, then yeah, it probably was worth it. If they end up disappearing the next week, then it wasn't. But sometimes you just don't know that until like you're far enough in. And like, mm-hmm. I guess like in theory, even if you made like, let's say you had like three or four socially distanced dates and like you were getting to that point, like in theory, someone could find out something and make them not want to pursue it. That could always happen. Mm-hmm. But I think I would at least feel better that like we gave it a shot opposed to like a one-time meet in the never see each other again. That's just my personal justification. Yeah. And I think people can can always say they're safe and you can ask them these questions. But when you look at their behavior, it doesn't always line up. You know, they're like, oh, I don't see anybody. I don't hang out with anybody. But I did go out drinking with a a few friends last night. And you're like, so you do see people. (laughs) Like what? I know. It's it's like a really weird thing because I... I do have some friends who are very, very safe. I mean, I I guess like with me, they're very, very safe, but they're getting to a point where, you know, they're like, oh, I went to this virtual thing and then met someone and we decided to take it offline. So we decided to meet up at my house because it's so cold outside. I'm like, wait, but you don't even have me over. (laughs) But you you had some random stranger over there like, oh, yeah, but it was like, you know, we had a connection. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, It's a weird, I feel, I agree. I think everyone kind of has like their convenient theories for them that make mm-hmm. them feel justified. I'm, and I'm not talking down because I'm sure I've been like to dates like, yeah, I don't really see anyone. And then I like see you or see someone else. And mm-hmm. it's just not accurate. And I admit that like last night, I'll throw UA under the bus a little. We tried to celebrate Go UA's. Yeah. <laughs> we tried to celebrate UA's birthday. And <laughs> I ended up meeting up with just Louise, not UA. I know. It was too cold for UA. It's too cold. <laughs> One, I don't love, I really don't love birthday celebrations. I like never do anything for my birthday. And the only times I do is because people ask to do it. And two, it was like, I don't know, in San Francisco, it was like 50 degrees. But to me, it's like 30 degrees because I'm a fucking wimp. And the thought of (laughs) dining outside with like huddling around one heat lamp I just I couldn't even fathom enjoying myself I told her I told Julie I'm like I went out for a walk with my dog and I almost cried because I was so cold I'm just so not used to cold weather anymore anyways 
tangent, but we totally were fine. And it was not actually that cold out. But I also recognize I'm from the East Coast and I have a very thick skin when it comes to cold. I used to live in an apartment building. I'd be the only one swimming like in January. So I get it. I'm like definitely a little weird with that stuff. But (laughs) I like I was thinking about it, though. I'm like, oh, I just like told my these dates that I'm not seeing anyone. But I'm like sitting here with Louise, like, you know, eating and stuff. And like, obviously, it's like a false sense of like, I obviously trust Louise. But I'm like, when you really think about that like it's not that I'm not seeing anyone I am seeing someone it's not like and it's not like Louise is the only one I'm seeing like I saw other friends like the other week and it's like it's that's the part though it's like so hard though it's like what's the line of balancing your mental health in like having some social contact versus like being totally safe like it's just such a hard line to balance yeah I just feel like right now we're operating like scooters like on the on the road you know when it's convenient to act like a pedestrian (laughs) or like oh it's a red light but I'm on a scooter but when it's but then you get you know but then you're like no but I'm also I can also be on the road because I'm also part automobile I don't know that's where I think people are it's like like you said, it's a convenient way of explaining um, their lives. And I get, I totally, I totally understand. I don't think we're trying to like reprimand anybody. You got to just, you got to do what's best for you, but also think about the consequences. Like for me, I'm constantly thinking about my parents. I Mm -hmm. do see them on a regular basis. So I don't want to put them at risk until they get their vaccine. Then I'm going to party it up. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. No, but I think it's like, I've made a rule for myself, like no indoor spaces with friends. Like I've been really trying to abide by that, but I do recognize like if I do meet someone I hit it off with like that probably will be the next step Mm -hmm. so it's like I describe myself as being safe because I am always wearing masks I am always like doing that but then it's like what is your definition of safe versus it's all subjective like if I looked at like my my mom's definition of safe she'd probably think I was like engaging in super risky behaviors because I'm like going out to eat and doing stuff you know so it's like outdoors but that's also my loophole I'm like oh because I'm outdoors it's fine you know right yeah but then that you know you do want to take it to the next level you can't stay outdoors forever and it, no. it's not comfortable to make out outdoors all nope. The time. <laughs> nope can we also talk about other craziness this week like did you get your GameStop shares <laughs> I was like is could we use Reddit for dateable like could we like get a million <laughs> subscribers like today just by going on Reddit the power of Reddit you know just makes me feel old I'm like How I does know this work? but I also was thinking I just put down a down payment for a, a condo and I was like oh, if I put that money in GameStop Game over. I'd be rich, bitch. (laughs) So funny. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've lived in San Francisco for 11 years now, but I feel like I've had like multiple lives within San Francisco. Like even Mm -hmm. like before I met you, like I had different friends that I would like hang out with. And it's funny how you like suppress memories and then something like little triggers them. But like I used to have this like male best friend that like was totally platonic, but we would hang out all the time. And he had this old roommate that would like come around and hang out sometimes. And he... He worked at GameStop and like his <laughs> He would like go up to girls and like lead with the fact that he lived worked at GameStop. And we were that always was a cool thing. Yeah, like we're always just like, what the fuck? Like why like you know, like this is even pre like obviously maybe now if he led with he worked at GameStop, he'd actually get a reaction. But <laughs> it's sort of ironic because a few months ago I bought gift cards from GameStop because they also sell like Uber Eats and DoorDash. Mm. I really felt like they were a failing business. And I was joking, joking with my boyfriend. I was like, 
you know, if GameStop doesn't go out of business, we should try to buy it because maybe there's something there. You know, like I feel like they're still in business for a reason. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I should have acted on that. Damn it. Damn it. I was thinking, though, it's just funny because like I, I like haven't thought about this whole like, you know, this GameStop guy and all this stuff. But I feel like <laughs> I'm like, I don't even remember his name. I just remember his, like him like, leading with the fact of GameStop. But I just I was like thinking about it and I'm like, damn, like, I feel like single girls are always told they need to get like a gay best friend. Mm -hmm. But I feel like actually having a straight best friend that you're not attracted to in any way was my best source of meeting men back in the day. Yeah, well, you know how I feel about this. It only works w- until one person wants to fuck. Like, I, I get it. Both of us didn't. Like, it was like a very mutual, like, thing. Like, I mean, I ended up like fucking his friends, but not him. Like, it worked right. out. Yeah, I mean, it, it only works out until it doesn't work out, right? Like, <laughs> you guys do not hang out anymore. Yeah, but it's not because of a sexual, it's because of his friends. It's not because of like, exactly. It's him. still in, <laughs> indirectly something related to sex. Like, True, true. It does come around. But it, it did work out for a long time. But the best the best is when you meet someone that's like a loose connection to them. Because I had one of those situations. Right, like it yeah. was like we went to a birthday party and then there was this guy there that he didn't know personally. It was like, but I would not have gone to that birthday party without this contact. Those are the best ones. So was this reciprocal? Like, was he able to fuck your friends? He tried. Didn't oh, okay. work out. Okay, but so yeah. he got zero out of you. <laughs> no, he he definitely actually that's not true. He did sleep with one of my friends. He did okay, sleep great. with one of my friends, great. but it wasn't he, through he me. He got one. <laughs> it actually wasn't through me. It was outside of it. But anyways, this I feel like I don't know if it's like a byproduct of people relying more on apps or getting older. Maybe it's both. But I feel like back in the day, like I just met so many more people like through mutual friend groups, through friends, right? Because you hang out, you go to their house, and then you. Like, oh, all it takes is FaceTime. I keep yeah. saying this, right? It's like if you just keep seeing the same person over and over again, you become more attracted and then that like romance can build. Oh, totally. But it's harder over fucking like apps. You're just looking at a few pictures of them and you have to make a decision right there. It's so it's it's hard. Yeah. I think that's really hard to do. But I did learn a few tips. So okay. I've been reading up about body language because I know oh, yeah. a lot of people are like, how do I show interest over Zoom dates? Mm-hmm. How do I um, gauge their interest? So I learned a few things about how you can instantly get people to like you. Ooh, I like yeah. this. Apparently, if you raise your eyebrows quickly. We're both doing it on YouTube. Yeah, it shows interest <laughs> and it shows approachability. So you can do this over video or if you're just like walking outside and you see someone you like, all you have to do is just raise your eyebrows just, just a little bit. But I feel like when I just did it, I looked like a creeper, not like... <laughs> I was. Well, I mean, like, I mean, don't hold it. <laughs> I was trying too hard, trying too hard. It should be like one millisecond. You're you like, be like, hey. Oh, <laughs> Don't look like you're constantly like in the surprise mode, okay? It's just, it's an up down. It's an up down. That's it. It's very quick. And also, if you tilt your head as you speak, it shows it's supposed to make you more attractive. It's a more attractive angle and it shows vulnerability. So the Mm. other person's more willing to open up to you. 
When you speak over video straight on, it shows dominance and aggression.、Mm. So if you just want to like tilt your head a little bit, you know we love puppies when they do that. When people do that, it shows a little bit of vulnerability and it puts you in a more attractive angle. Well, thank you for sharing. I feel like <laughs> I am absolutely the worst at picking up subtle cues or showing them myself. Like it's one of those things I've just never been able to grasp in my entire life. Like I remember, like my ex was like, "You were giving me all these signs," and I'm like, "What? Like、uh, I was not signs doing that intentionally. <laughs> like if I was, it wasn't intentionally. I don't have that much game." So. So like it's yeah I think it's it's interesting like the eyebrows I don't think I would have ever noticed the like tilt head I don't、yeah. think I would have noticed that a、either. little tilt head I'm gonna I'm gonna start going like this on well not too、app. tilted I mean like not <laughs> ear to shoulder here <laughs> you don't want to look like you're stuck in that position Julie's like stuck in this tilt head with her eyebrows firmly raised <laughs> she just looks cray. Like, what is wrong with her? They're like, can we have this video date now? Thanks. <laughs> Where they feel sorry for you, like, are you? Yeah, they're like, are you, you frozen?、Help? Are you frozen? Yeah, are you frozen? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just heard this is how I attract guys.、Yeah, there we go. <laughs>、um, another tip is hide yourself view in Zoom.、Mm-hmm. You can easily do that. Click、yes. on three, hover over your video, click on three dots, hide self view, so you're not looking at yourself and you're focusing on the other person, and in turn. You mirror them, and you see if they mirror your、mm. your、um, body movements. So we had a question about this on YouTube page where someone was like, "Oh, I learned about mirroring. If she doesn't text me back for three hours, I'm gonna mirror the same and、Good. not text her back for three hours." And we're like, "No, no, no. That's not what mirroring means. <laughs> It means to mirror each other's body movements and language. So if if someone's like got their、um, hand on their face,、mm. and then you do the same, it shows that you're actively listening. So you know, just a, A few things because I've been researching ways to make my Zoom calls more entertaining. So this is a great way to do it. When you turn off your self view, you、oh, actually、yeah. have a much more engaging conversation because you notice a lot more about the other person instead of looking at your background. I love that. Let's practice on our work calls. Practice the head tilt, tilt. the eyebrow, the eyebrow、yeah. raise. Is that what we're gonna call it? Yeah, eyebrow. <laughs> Raise. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so seductive. Seductive. <laughs> But if you've had too much Botox, you probably can't do it. So it just um, you know, just do the head tilt. <laughs> do whatever in your range of motion. I was telling you, a I've noticed an interesting phenomenon of people looking better on video than in real life. No, that is that's crazy. It's funny because I was like re-listening to this episode with Nikki Novo, and I was talking about like how I was hesitant to do video because I actually feel like I don't look as Good on video, and I was afraid like that would be my first impression. But it's actually kind of fun and ironic that I've noticed to be the reverse. Like I just didn't think、yeah. that was possible at that time. But it, you brought up a good point. Like some celebrities look a lot better on camera than they do in real life, so it's totally possible. Some people just have a face for camera because the camera picks up like the different features and makes them look more symmetrical. But then in person, their features are too pronounced. Like Anne、right. Hathaway is a really good example. Example. I've heard in person, you're just like, whoa! Her face is just like so striking that you're like, doesn't even look real, doesn't look that attractive. But on camera, she's just, you know, she has like a very symmetrical looking face. So yes, I can see how video can do that. So could be misleading sometimes. 
Yep, Mark Wahlberg's another example. I saw. I yes. met. I, I was excited to meet him, but I like. I remember um, I had a friend that like worked at like some entertainment company, and he was like invited us to an after party of one of Mark Wahlberg's movies. He was like getting us up the back entrance, like to like sneak us in, and then Mark Wahlberg was literally leaving to like exit this party because he probably didn't want to be there anymore. Oh my gosh! So we just like passed over each other, like in the staircase, and we're like, oh. Wait, there's Mark Wahlberg, and he did not look like he was no. like way shorter in person. Like, just oh yeah, they always did are. not look the same as his on-screen presence at all. It was kind of disappointing. Why is it that when I think of Mark Wahlberg, I think of Boston? Is he like from Boston? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> he's like in the epitome of Boston. Wahlberg- there's a Wahlbergers um, burger chain that he started. That's his burger chain? Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know yep, that. This was in Boston that I saw him. I keep saying met. I did not meet him. I passed him by. He's so hot on camera, but He's though. not in real life Not in, like It was so disappointing. Or, yeah. Or then you're like, I don't need to obsess over this person because they're not like this in real life. But on camera, you know, in in, in TV and films, he's beautiful. He's super hot. <laughs> he's yeah. sexy. I know. So, anyways, Tangent. I guess maybe, <laughs> maybe people don't need to be a intimidated by video we'll give it a nice spin and takeaway you could use ubay's tips and then also know that maybe this person that you think is beautiful on video might just be an average person when you meet in real life an average joe can you believe that <laughs> okay well let's get to this episode with nikki novo she's such a great interviewer and we had such a great conversation with her uh, we do want to promote a another fabulous book before we bring you nikki novo this one's called hopeless romantic by marina adair set again the breezy backdrop of coastal Rhode Island. Best-selling author of Marina Adair's latest novel asks whether two of a small town's biggest hearts can learn to put themselves first in the name of love. I feel like I need some like dramatic music for In the name of love. <laughs> I keep hearing that song. <laughs> and this is why they have two of the biggest hearts in this town. As a caregiver for her autistic brother, Beckett Hayes knows how meaningful a little extra help can be when life happens. So she opened up a store called Consider It Done's a personal concierge service in her small town. And then in the same town, is Levi Rhodes. So after his father's death, he's running the family marina and bar while putting his dreams of sailing on hold until Beck shows up at his bar. Mm-hmm. Marina Dare is a number one nationally best-selling author with over a million books sold. You can find out more at kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Wow. I feel like you should be like a personal PR rep for that book. I feel like I should. Yes. I want to go get it now. You just <laughs> sold it so damn well. I'm like, You're wow, like, this is intriguing. What's going on? Two of the most selfless people, like their schemas must be um, you know, selflessness <laughs> <laughs> and subjugation or whatever. Like, I, I feel like they need to find their true love with each other. Always comes back to schemas, doesn't it? <laughs> Always. What do we say? Same schemas, uh, different schemas, same shit. Yeah. Yep. That, that sweatshirt is now available in the merch store for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not even kidding. It is. It A is. message from our sponsor, ourselves, the merch store. Damablepodcast.com yeah. slash shop. It's true. Yeah. 
It's Actually, true. just while we're doing a quick tangent on the merch store, we are currently running a contest in our mm. Facebook group for uh, crowdsource. This was a great idea that Jasmine had, one of our members. She said, like, can we do this contest where we, like, crowdsource ideas for merch? And the winner, we decided, well, essentially, everyone gets to upvote, and the winner will get a, pre- a free piece of merch with their design slogan. So they've been rolling in. So if you're in the Facebook group, if you're not in the Facebook group yet, join Love in the Time of Career. You can put your um, crowdsourced idea in and maybe you'll get merch out of it. Or at a minimum, whoever um, contributes ideas gets a discount code. So you can always buy the merch. I really admire how Julie can can insert our own messaging in between (laughs) our sponsor messaging. That is really brilliant. She's like, by the way, this is just like a second thought. A little whatever. Afterthought, I just want to tell you this. We have a merch store and then we have like a, a Facebook group and then we have a sounding board and then we just go to datablepodcast.com. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. We have one wait, more wait. sponsor. Well, Brilliant. Love it. Yes. Before we go into, I'm going to just drop one more because I feel oh, like shit, we are going to we We're are gonna talk about another podcast that we love too. But one of the other things that we do want to keep pushing is the most dateable contest. It is happening in, what, four weeks? Three weeks. The 18th. Right after Valentine's Day, we have six contestants already locked and loaded. They're ready to compete. Hundreds of submissions. Hundreds of submissions. We had to enlist um, a panel of judges to go through all the submissions. It was amazing. We're about to announce our judges as well as the contestants. So you have to be in the Facebook group to see those announcements. We'll announce them one by one, you know, to to keep a little bit of mystery there. Mm-hmm. But we have a really great lineup of contestants oh, yeah. and judges. The judges were, were we pulled from past dateable guests. The judges panel is on fire. I love the people we ended up picking. It's going to be so good. Again, February 18th. You can get your tickets now. Go to datablepodcast.com slash events. And of course, sounding board members of the event tiers get that for free. So if, you're an, if you've been on the verge of signing up, you're like, the sounding board thing sounds really freaking cool, but I'm not sure. You know, now's the time. So you get to go to the most dateable contest. Or if you set it up for the friends level, the bottom one, there'll be a discount code for you too. So basically, we're going to take care of sounding board members but if you're not a sounding board member you just kind of want to like dive your like toe in or go like dive, yeah dive that toe in <laughs> if you want to just that's not the right Take word that wants. toe for a dive if you want to stick that toe in it's just <laughs> we're going delirious if you want to stick that toe in see what's going on but with the sustainable after shows is a good way to buy a one-off ticket so fuck i'm so sorry to this podcast uh, that we're about to promote because I do have one more <laughs> quick <laughs> announcement. It is not really announcement because this just remind me. So Julie and I had a really great interview this week with AP Television. That's Associate Pro- Associated Press, and in the middle of it, this is the best. This is the best. So we're talking about video dates. Exactly where we're just talking mm-hmm. about how some people don't translate on video when they um, when you see them in person. And Julie's like, you know, look at our sounding group when we do these happy hours. You really don't see. You really don't see people from the waist up. Because <laughs> she meant to say from the waist down. And then the interviewer was like, that sounds like a fun group. Yeah. 
sign me up. Such a Freudian slip. Such a Freudian slip. And it was so funny. And then we were like, okay, let's let's try that again. I'm like, I I need to move on. I just can't even say this statement. I was like, without bursting out laughing, I just can't even say it. But maybe we'll try a a, like a happy hour one of these days. It's just (laughs) bottoms only. (laughs) Guess the body because you don't know anyone's head. Oh my gosh. I just really hope people wear pants. That's Kevin. That's that's yep. for you. Okay, now we can move on to this podcast. We love promoting other great podcasts too. So there's another one that we love to promote this week. It's called First Cup of Coffee Podcast. So award-winning and best-selling author of fantasy and romance, Jeffy Kennedy shares her first cup of coffee of the day with listeners, giving a daily insight into the realities of being a career author. And a lot of you have told us that you want to exercise your creative side and you've been thinking about writing. So this is a great podcast for you. It's a daily podcast. Um, She chats about books, writing, and reading over her first cup of coffee of the day. And she shares her daily challenges and a look into what it's like to be a professional writer. So First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network, which is what we're a part of too. You can find more outstanding podcasts just like this one by subscribing to frolic.media slash podcasts. Awesome. One other quick shout out before we get in. I just thought of it and it made my heart melt so much. So I wanted to give Is a shout Jason? out. It's Jason, one of our Always best members. Jason. <laughs> Jason loves this so we can say it. But he was in Colorado on a tr- vacation and he took a photo. He put in the snow. He wrote out stay dateable and took a photo of himself masturbating, which is our favorite term. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, wait, he took a photo of himself masturbating. <laughs> in the <laughs> snow. <laughs> he wrote it with his dick. <laughs> he, he wins this most was dateable. A, this, was, this was a very wholesome photo. <laughs> that was a strong dick. <laughs> What's your talent competition? <laughs> Just I can I can write stable in the snow with my dick. Oh my god, we oh just took the most wholesome nice thing that someone did. Jason, I apologize to you. My mind went there. I mean okay, I hope you appreciate it too. But Wow, I'm dying. But for anyone that did not see it, he posted in the Facebook group and we reposted on Instagram, but he wrote out stay dateable in snow. It was super PG. It was not what we just <laughs> Dude. Not confirmed. But I was though. like, not confirmed. <laughs> How did he get true. that in the snow? <laughs> Nobody else questioned this. I mean, I assumed he took like a stick or whatever. <laughs> you know, not that type of stick. Okay. <laughs> no. Oh my god. I am crying. This is too funny. But anyways, we love when people are thinking about us. We love when they etch things in, you know, a tree, a snow, whatever, snowbank, snow. whatever. <laughs> Tie their toes in. I can't, I can't talk today. <laughs> you know, sand. Let's go to the beach and write stay dateable. I love it. Keep those photos coming. Thank you, Jason. We really appreciate you. We, uh, I hope you didn't take offense to that. But if you actually did use your, you know, your your friend, your your friend down under, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> oh my god, we are seriously delirious. Let's okay. get to this episode. Nikki Novo, she's she's fantastic and not nearly as immature as we are. <laughs> 
Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Final Swipe. So excited to be here with you today. Extra excited because we have two really amazing, cool women who are with us to give um, some laughs, some guidance, a little bit of everything. They're coming from the Dateable Podcast, introducing to you UA and Julie of the Dateable Podcast, which if you don't already subscribe to their podcast, you should be downloading it. So but we'll talk about that more later. But welcome, ladies. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks Good for day. having Thanks us. For having us. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a fun party. So Yay. I have um we have I have lots that I want to talk to you about and lots to cover, but I was hoping at first you can start off with how you started the podcast and what made you want to start it. <laughs> we love telling this story. It's like a meat cute story of like a rom com. So <laughs> Julie and I met probably five years ago, probably five years ago, because we started the podcast shortly after we met. And it was uh, through, so Julie had this really great uh, business where she was connecting people over brunch in real life who had similar interests. So it was a great way to meet yeah. random people that you wouldn't normally meet in real life. And we met at one of her brunches, ironically enough, and we became fast friends. And we noticed everything we talked about was about dating. Everything was about <laughs> modern dating. I had just moved to San Francisco. Julie had been in San Francisco for most of her adult life. We did a lot of compare contrast, but also just like the craziness of navigating what the, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I mean, we just kept asking what is going on? And we both have really good stories and the people around us had really good stories. So we thought, why don't we try a podcast? Why not? Let's see what happens. And when we first started, it was all about just telling dating stories. And we knew that there would be endless stories to tell. <laughs> but I think now that we're in our 10th, we just wrapped our 10th season. Wow. We quickly realized that it's not just the dating stories. It's really taking away from the stories, what we can learn from it and getting to the bottom of why people do the things they do. Yeah, and like some of the one of the reasons why I actually started the company to meet in real life was from my own frustrations on apps. Like it felt like I would be on apps and I would have a ton of dates, but not many of them would actually lead anywhere. And I was, you know, went through my own kind of like self-discovery and challenges with dating and UA had a background as a dating coach. So she had her own unique experiences. And I think that's why we kind of felt like we needed to do this platform to really hear other people's stories. And what we soon realized is that everyone had very unique experiences, but they also had a lot of the same underlying themes. And we actually kind of started this as like a dating in San Francisco podcast because we thought it was so unique and so different. And then we quickly realized like the same issues here were everywhere. They just showed up in a little bit of a different way, but the underlying changes like with technology, with gender roles, like all of the shifts that were happening were universal. So it sounds like you guys are like running an experiment and you're watching <laughs> all these crazy humans do this crazy thing. Kind of, actually. <laughs> We've done Except we're also part of the experiment. Yeah, it's totally. Say, I think some of the most interesting things we've done is we've actually done some like he said, she said perspective dates where two people go out and UA and I have also oh, done this where we've had our own past dates on the podcast to share their perceptions of us. And it has been mind blowing just to see 
how different people perceive different things. And I think it's really shown us that, you know, so much of this is just, just having compassion for other people and everyone's just trying to do their best here. Yes, I, I love that. I always I always think about that and I always like remind my clients and my students that, you know, at the end of the day, like everything that you're feeling, the years the other person's feeling as well. Like we're all like these humans, but we you know, we put it we put each other on pedestals and we have all these ideas. But I think that that's the beautiful um, perspective that you guys offer. So I, I love that. That I have not heard the podcast where people are um, your past dates are talking about you and that's really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Scary, all at the same time. <laughs> um, Ju- I know Julie, you're dating, but UA, are you also dating? No, I've been in a relationship for almost two years now. Oh wow! Did you? I was wondering about that. Like, did you feel that it might be scary to like change your identity because like maybe your identity was like wrapped up in being like a person that goes on dates and like having because of like you know what you do. Um, or did it like, was there any kind of, um, was it hard to make that transition or you felt like, okay, to be like, okay, I'm ready for this. That's a really interesting question. So when, when I lived in New York, I had my own dating coach business and it was called Miss Singlefied. I was called, you know, I was like known as ask Miss Singlefied any dating questions you have. And a friend (laughs) posed this question to me and he was like, what happens when you are not single? What are you then? So I ended up getting, um, I bought the domain Maryfied because I was like, well, eventually Maryfied <laughs> will become Maryfied. And when we started the podcast, I had the exact same thought is, well, we are always going to evolve, but our podcast is more than just single people dating. In fact, so many of our friends who are in relationships who are married listen to the podcast too. So I think it's actually really nice that Julie and I can offer perspectives from someone who's single and someone who's in a relationship, but it, it's all based around human connection. Yeah. I think the other thing too, it's like, we've been doing this now for four years. So both of us have actually shifted our relationship statuses quite a bit in those four years, as you would imagine, like we haven't just mm-hmm. been static. So when I started the podcast, when we started the podcast, I was in a relationship UA was single. And then we've shifted along the way. There was a period that we were both single. There was a period where we were both dating, like, or in relationships. Like, it's just like, it's, it's kind of zigged and zagged throughout and I think what we've learned too is a lot of this is beyond dating. It's how you navigate long-term relationships, like what the work that you need to do on yourself. Like I think when we first started this, we thought it would always be about just two people interacting. And what we've learned is so much of this is self-work that doesn't change. Like it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away because you get in a relationship. It doesn't go away because you get married. Like this is something that's just a continued evolution through the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, I always think, I always like remind my, my students also like when, especially in that dating process, like we put so much emphasis on the other person because we we were like, Oh, bring this new human into our experience, into our life. But it's really like more than ever a time to watch and care for ourselves because that like, depending on how we feel about ourselves, how we are viewing ourselves, all that kind of stuff is like how we're going to relate to that other person. So it's like, it's an ongoing project for sure. Absolutely. So I also, so (laughs) UA, I found it funny. Um, because so Julie, you were you've been in San Francisco for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And then UA came from New York, right? I lived in Beijing for two years before moving to San Francisco. So it was like New York, uh, Beijing, and then San Francisco. Okay. So I would love, so I, I'm based in Miami, but I have a lot of clients all around the country, also all around the world as well. But I definitely, I remember, I think it was probably maybe last year or two years ago, I was getting a huge, um, a huge group from San Francisco. Mm. And I happened to visit there because my sister-in-law is from, is from the Bay Area. And when I went there, I was like, I got, I got to see what's going on here because you know, I've, only, <laughs> I've only dated in Miami and I've dated in LA, the two places I've lived. And uh, I was just fat. San Francisco always seemed like such a fascinating dating market to me. I think mm-hmm. that there, I, it was one thing that I really noticed, at least within my clients, remember I'm not dating there, but I was kind of like working through the clients was how, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. It was just, this is just like my perception, but Almost, I guess, because the gender roles there are so new. I don't know if I want to say neutral, but they almost like that's the way you guys date is very like 50 50. Like those Mm -hmm. gender roles are Mm. so different than like even let's say in Miami, because there's such a strong Latin culture, Mm. we still we still date like a little bit more traditional. There's never a question of who's going to pay for the meal. Mm. Um, It's Mm. just it's part of our culture. We're in San Francisco. I just found it so interesting that like, I don't know if it's because of the technology, the tech that's happening there, but the gender roles played a really funny, like plays a really funny role in how you how San Francisco people date. And I was just wondering, like, especially maybe UA, because you were coming from these other places. Like, did you notice that? Did you find it like a different market? Absolutely. And that was the basis of why Julie and I could not stop talking about dating, because I was just shocked by the dating culture. Coming Mm -hmm. from Beijing, where I lived for two years, same thing, very traditional gender roles. You know exactly what's happening on a date, who's calling, who's instigating, who's initiating. But in San Francisco, I remember telling Julie some stories where on my first date, this guy brought his business proposal because he wanted to get my advice on something <laughs> he was trying to start. And, and I've also had, I've also held doors open for men who didn't say thank you. And I, yeah. I became very resentful towards that. But I think I real, there were two things that I really realized. And I can't wait for Julie to tell her story because she has only known San Francisco dating in her adult life, right? So this is like good. There was no point of comparison in that. But for me, there were two things I realized. One was most people were attracted to San Francisco for the city and for the, for the career opportunities. So nobody's coming to San Francisco thinking I'm going to get a better love life. I'm coming here for the bustling single scene. (laughs) And I think when you, when you attract so many people who are high achievers, who are trying to, to really, you know, amplify their careers, the gender roles get thrown out the door because it's Mm -hmm. all about, Hey, let's, let's see what my next, let's network so I can see what my next step is in my career. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I really realized is that, when we first started the podcast, we thought all of these these issues were very unique to San Francisco. What we found out was basically people in San Francisco dating were dating in the future because what we really predicted was what was happening five years ago. Wow. And if you look at if you look at what we experienced when we first started the podcast, we're starting to see the same things trickle down to some of the other cities like LA, New York. Same things are happening. So mm-hmm. it would I wouldn't say we have a much different dating scene. It's just that we're maybe dating a little bit farther ahead. 
Yeah, I was going to say something very similar because I've been here for ten, a little over 10 years. I'm hitting my 11th year. So I've based, I'm originally from the East Coast, so I have that background. But mm-hmm. like UA mentioned, I've pretty much spent my entire adult dating life since 25 here. And I think there's, I mean, San Francisco has changed since I first moved here. It's definitely a bit more like tech bro and like has like those connotations where I think when I first moved here, I definitely moved here for work don't get me wrong and others did too but there was also this like progressive view of san francisco and a lot of people moved here because they didn't want the stereotypical life necessarily Mm -hmm. and i think that still holds true today i think that's why polyamory for example is something that's so out in the open here while it exists other places it's much more closeted and here it's celebrated as people that are saying hey i want to optimize my love life and i want to you know i I don't want to be cheated on i don't want to cheat i want to like do something that is going to make me happy for the long term i don't want to be in one of those like boring sex Sexless marriages, not to say that all marriages are, mm-hmm. but I think that's what people's mentality is. Like I can des- I can design, if I can design a tech product or an app, I can design the love life I want. That's and yeah, and I think that mentality is what has kind of put San Francisco in the future, as UA said. I think that's a good mm-hmm. way to say it. It's not that we have it all figured out, but a lot of the things that are really coming to the surface surface in other places have already been here for a few years, like apps, for example. I think that was one of those things like when apps were kind of blowing up in different parts of the different other cities or in the country or even all over the world. San Francisco had been doing that for like three, four years at that point, because all apps are created here. So it's just an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. And I really do think the shift is happening for gender roles all over. I think it's, I agree it's happening in San Francisco first, because one, people don't like need to prescribe to just old values and traditions because of that progressive nature. But also, like you, I said, a lot of people are very alpha and career driven no matter what your gender and i think that's going to just continue to go everywhere so fascinating that's it's just so interesting so for those of us who don't know what so what are these new like the new types of relationships that you guys have been seeing that you see <laughs> that you're saying that are a little bit more common <laughs> right than over here i hear them too like um yep my, again Miami is a little, we're so, we're so traditional that it's not really like in here in Miami, but I hear it through my clients and then I experience my clients in those relationships as well. But if you can share that for those of us who are, you know, I don't know, in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like starting at like the most kind of PC common is probably just people that are like, I don't need to necessarily get married and have children, or I don't need to necessarily settle down right away. I want to develop myself. Maybe I want to hook up with a bunch of people like there's that level. And then if you go up, there's people that are in into polyamory, which means like loving many and having relationships with many and open relationships is in a similar camp, but different that they have less relationships with others, but they will have sexual relations or hook up with others. And I think it's really that the, uh, the folks here just don't believe in monogamy. Like they don't believe that that's what is meant for humans. It's the whole concept is ethical non-monogamy. So the idea is that I'm not going to cheat, which I think is half the problem with cheating is, or maybe even more than half the problem is 
the deception. It's not necessarily the physical act of sex. So if I can create this relationship where my partner knows that I'm openly having sex with other people or even openly having relationships with other people, then I can kind of counter that. So there's a lot of that that's happening. And then within that, there's different variations. There's triads where there's three people in a relationship or triples. <laughs> um, then you also have like unicorns where it's like one person dating a couple. So there's some other variations that get even more extreme. That's, um, and I think sorry, even beyond anyway. all of that, because there's so many different configurations, I think everyone has their own idea of what polyamory is, what an open relationship is. But what is interesting in the cultural shift is the language that people use to describe the, the people they're in relationships with. They're, we're getting away from possession and more towards this is someone I am connecting with. So for example, mm -hmm. you'll hear people talk about their partner all the time. It used to be the term used for if you were in a homosexual relationship, this is my partner. Now hetero people use it, all kinds of relationships will use partner. And then even for like polyamorous relationships, it used to be hierarchical. So you have your primary and then you have the secondary, <laughs> tertiary. But now we're seeing the shift towards non-hierarchical polyamory. It's just that you're connecting with multiple people and everyone's equal and you, you treat everyone as an equal partner. So we're really seeing that cultural shift away from possession. And I think like one of the benefit, like the benefit of all this, I think there's two things. It can be very confusing. I think there's something about the traditional <laughs> yeah. way is that you just have one path. You know what you need to do. You know the steps that are taken. You know the progressions of a relationship. And then with this, it's, it's all unknown territory. And I think that's actually one of the reasons what's made modern dating so difficult. Like if you get on an app, let's say you are someone that wants a more traditional relationship you don't know if the other people want that. Like it's hard to know right. what everyone is looking for. It, but I think the beauty of it is that, I mean, we're kind of a generation that has a fallout of divorce, like following that one path and not being happy in life. So I think what the benefit here is, again, it's not saying that marriage is not the right path, like it can be. And I think that's one of the benefits too, is it's not just getting married and prescribing to gender roles or like a way that we had to do it. It's creating the marriage that you want, or you're deciding to take another path and create that love life that you want. I mean, it's it's beautiful and, I, and it's, it's fascinating because it's exactly... Uh, connected to the tech development, like you said, like just the, you know, we can design this, we can design that, like, why not design this? So it's just so fascinating, fascinating to watch. Um, I do, and I'm with you, like it, it is confusing for, um, like I have clients who are in some of those kinds of relationships and it's, 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 it's so, conf it's confusing for them because they're having to rework some of their, their programming. Like it's basically right. like you have mm -hmm. to up, you have to like upgrade that programming in order to understand how you really feel about being in this relationship. Because you may look at a girl who's in a relationship with a guy who's in an open relationship and you may be like, oh, she has no self-worth that thinks she thinks that's all she can get, et cetera, et cetera. Um, which I definitely, when I first saw that, I was like, wait a second, like what's happening. But when I've kind of started to understand is that 
you actually like the person has to break down their belief systems in order to really mm-hmm. understand how they feel about being in these relationships. And a lot of them feel good being in those relationships. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's the programming that kind of like sets us off there. So, and you know, it's hard because you have to do a lot of convincing. You have to like convince other people mm-hmm. that you're okay. You know, I find a lot of yep. my clients like feeling like they need to explain themselves um, when, you know, it's like you really, it's, it's very brave, you know, it's very courageous. So interesting that it's fascinating that you guys are seeing it early. What, um, Nikki, that's trends? A, yes. Nikki, yeah, that's sorry. One quick point. That's what you said triggered something that I thought about, um, was we had a woman on our show talk about navigating an open relationship. She's never done open relationships before. And mm-hmm. the guy she fell in love with only wanted open relationships and she came on our show and what we realized is that in addition to the programming and reprogramming of yourself and your your beliefs you there's also a lot of trial and error because these relationships don't come with a user manual you don't know like how do i how do i enter an open relationship step one right you you know you just do it (laughs) so that's also part of a lot of the conflict too it's a trial and error because for some for a lot of these open relationships too there is another level where you do overstep or you do cross a line but you have to figure out where that line is right definitely and i mean and it may not even happen like just because you're interested i think in those types of relationships it may not be the one that you end up in you know it may not be the one that like you stay in forever because also like it's going to take time for those relationships to have a manual like you explained you know and and like the reason you know the way we do relationships right now is easy because like we've seen people doing it for generations you know um and yeah. i don't know the history of these kind of relationships but my my for some odd reason, don't ask why, but I was looking into Greece mythology yesterday and <laughs> I, oh. was looking, I forgot what, um, it was funny on Wikipedia, they had a breakdown of like the different gods and who they had children with. And some of these gods were having children with like 52 women, basically. Wow. And I was like, mm. you know, this, this has probably existed for a while, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. probably just at some point, these kind of relationships um, you know, obviously we're getting out of hand or whatever, but I, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating. I'm not like an expert, but it's interesting that you guys are seeing it earlier, earlier than, than most of us. So you um, know what else though? It's like, even not these so quote unquote, like untraditional relationships. I think even traditional relationships are going to start to not have a user manual. Like even if you're with Mm -hmm. one partner, you get married, you have children, you go down the, that traditional, whatever path it, I think what's going to really shift is that people are still going to really shift how they have that relationship and they find something that works for them and their partner. Like one of the things that we've noticed is just how important communication is. And this isn't a revelation, like everyone knows this, but I think people's willingness to communicate in relationships now versus let's say 10 years ago is instrumentally different. I think we are in an age of therapy being accepted, where men are now starting to be okay with their feelings too. And I think like we've talked to like, we did an episode with Ashley Madison, the affairs site. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that was fascinating there is we talked to a lot of the people that were having affairs. And a lot of them just did not talk to their spouses, like people that they had been 
married to for years. Like there was just no open communication, no safe space. And I think like our generation, that is something that is a priority. And I know for Mm -hmm. myself, like if I can't have an open conversation with someone, they can't hear me, they can't hear my feelings, where I'm coming from, how like I want to work with them to create a relationship, then it's not going to be a relationship with them for me. Absolutely. Um, wow, I have to listen to that episode. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, so if you guys so remember good. what number that is, um, we'll, we'll definitely share that. And I think, you know, this is probably like a just kind of off topic, but that on the communication piece, I think a, a lot of reason why I see some women maybe taking longer than they expected to form that relationship at whatever year, you know, whatever age they thought they were supposed to form it in. A lot of it has to do with we're, we're still training, like men are still catching up in communication. It's mm-hmm. not their fault. It's, it's like, you know, it's the patriarchy has been having for a long time. And I feel like the work that has been being done our generation, um, like if you're, you know, an early millennial, let's say, or um, that you have been training that man. So to communicate, I see a lot of that happening, a lot of um, communication training going on. And it's easy to kind of be like, oh, it just hasn't happened for me. But it's like, we're also just doing some heavy work. I don't think the next generation is going to have to do that. Um, It's funny, my husband is 10 years older than my youngest brother. So the difference between like how they relate um, is it's night and day, you know, and my husband is um, not, you know, it's just, they're they're two different generations. And what my son, what my brother, I'm sorry, has been trained into is very different than like what my, my, what was expected of my husband when he was dating and young, you know? So um, not that he's not young, poor guy, but (laughs) I think that's like what you're saying about communication is so true, but we are in a, I, I really do feel we're like in a place of still training, um, and oh, some women as well, we're, we're still training ourselves, but that's a big reason why I think it's being delayed, not delayed, but maybe taking a little bit more time than we expected for this generation. That's an interesting mm. perspective. I a hundred percent agree with you. Like me, like men that are in older generations versus younger think about things in very different ways. And I also think it applies to women too. Like you and I are like what we call elder millennials or Eliza. Us too, like, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm on the cusp. Yeah, yeah, we're like right on the cusp. So we kind of you know, have these traditional values, but we also have progressive values. And then we talk to people that are in their 20s or like mid, early to mid 20s, and they don't even know what the rules are. They have no qualms about approaching men and reaching out first. So I think things are shifting a lot. And I think it's an interesting point you brought up of why it might be taking some people that are in this more cusp uh, situation longer to find that person is because we want the progressive values, but maybe our partners or even ourselves aren't fully there yet. Right perfectly said and put yes um i would love to hear of any trends you like you know ghosting has been a trend for a while but any other trends that you see in the dating world that you feel like are would be worth mentioning uh okay well we have a lot of covid trends we recently covered this new phenomenon called dumping which is dumping someone over zoom And this is something that we're seeing during quarantine. And at first we thought, what a terrible name. Well, 
just dumping and dumping. Those are just terrible words in general, but had a really negative connotation to it. But then when we really examined the, the kind of the intent behind it, the, the truth of the matter is relationships have to carry on whether we're in quarantine or not, whether COVID mm-hmm. exists or not. And if during a time of quarantine, a relationship needs to end, it needs to end. And the best way to do that probably is through virtual setting, whether it's through a phone call or a video call. So it's just another way to phrase how people are navigating relationships during this time. I think another major trend that we've seen is people are really starting to question whether they want a relationship or not. We did an episode um, this season on relationships. Do you really want one? And the point of this whole episode was for so many years, you grew up thinking that you wanted relationships because that's what society tells you you should do, even if you never really understood what a relationship was. But this is a such a great concentrated time right now, especially for us to just reflect and think, do I, one, do I know what a relationship is? And two, am I ready? And do I want to enter into a relationship? So I think coming out of quarantine and coming out of COVID, we're going to see a lot of daters who are going to make, be making decisions that are more intentional than before. Right. We also, I think this has definitely been a time of self-awareness for many. And I think COVID has really ruined fuckboys is another trend that we're seeing. Yeah, that's it, true. <laughs> it was so easy to like send that you up text or, you know, hit someone up or hit on someone at a bar, but now you're just not going to be hooking up as readily and easily. And I mean, we hear of men that are serenading people over Zoom. Like there's, people are really stepping it up. So I think it's really apparent. (laughs) That's what going to do. Exactly. They're screwed. They got to step it up or get out. I don't know. (laughs) Change their ways. This is the reform that we're that they're needing. (laughs) So that's definitely something that has come up is I think people, they're bullshit meter is a lot higher like I think Mm -hmm. people have used this time to really get clear of what they're looking for and if that's not on their path like they're not going to risk their lives and do things that once were so you know whatever it happens it happens and now there's a lot of consequences that could come with it Absolutely. Um, It's funny, I had a lot of clients, you know, of course, I get scared about, you know, that they can't date during this time. It was, you know, it's, it's, especially if that's like something you're working towards. And it's, it was scary to think that, like, maybe they can't meet people during this time. And um, I was like, are you kidding me? It's like the best time, you know, everybody (laughs) is, everybody is like, listen, this is who I am. You know, this is what, like, this is what's happening. Like, you know, it's just, there's just so, like you said, like less of that kind of that BS meter is, is high, but also like we can't hide so much anymore either. So it is, a, mm-hmm. I felt that it was a good, good time. And I actually had a few um, students in my membership, like actually form relationships during this time and are still in those relationships. So oh, have great. You seen, yeah. Have you seen anything like that? Um, anybody like connecting or, or Julie, have you, did you do any some sort of like on the phone dating? during coronavirus? So I have done a couple recently. I spent primarily coronavirus actually reevaluating a past relationship of mine with Mm -hmm. uh, my ex. And I think it was actually a good time for us to do this during COVID-19 too, because we had a lot of time to just air out everything that had gone on and see if we could resolve it. But ultimately we decided that it just wasn't the right fit still. And I've been experimenting with video dating a bit recently. I think 
I've been a little intimidated by it. I'm not going to lie. I think I kind of got over the hump this week. And I agree. I think there's a lot of benefits of it because, I mean, the one example that I had this week, it wasn't a fit, but I think I'd rather learn that on a video call than spend all the time and their time meeting up when it's blatantly not a fit, right? 100%. I think that's a win also. Like I'm all for obviously giving people a shot, but I think if you, like there's sometimes you just know it's not going to be a match, right? right? And I think like sometimes video just shows that a lot more than photos. I think though there is something that's like a little intimidating. I know for me, I always think like, or I've been told too that, I, I look better in real life than even in photos. Like I'm not mm. super photogenic. So it's more, mm. is my first impression or is the only impression I'm going to get from this person via video where I feel awkward. So I think that's a challenge to kind of make it work in your favor. But I think there's ways that you can start to just get more comfortable with that. And the reality is we might we might be doing this for a very long time, if not ever of how this might change dating. So mm-hmm. it, maybe it's the time is to invest in a ring light and, you know, learn how to <laughs> angle yourself because 100%. it might be something that's happening. Um, but that's we your have- next episode, guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think one of um, our, li- like we've heard mixed, I- I'll say that, I'll be honest, as we've heard mixed from people. I think when the pandemic started, everyone was super excited about video dating because it was new and novel. And then it started to like sour because people didn't know when they would ever meet this person. I think at the beginning too, it was like, oh, this is only going to be for a month. And then it just kept going. But now with states reopening gradually, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I think more social distancing. Yeah, social distancing. Mm -hmm. Are people at least learning how to adapt with masks? Like people are meeting up again. So I think people's appetite is back open because there's, there's a path at the end of the tunnel. And we have heard of people that have, met like we had one past guest that said she struggled for years uh finding like a connection because the physical always seemed to get in the way and she met someone through quarantine and they ended up like quarantining together for a bit and having like a pretty serious relationship i think ultimately it actually didn't end up working but at the same time this might have gone on for years and maybe they found out sooner. Yeah. yeah, it moved it forward. Well, I actually, um, I have, I have the same, I, the same situation with a few clients where I have some clients that move too quickly. Typically, like they, you know, it's like meet, like sleep, like you know, fantasize about being with this person, um, get really anxious about the, you know, the speed and what's happening, what's not happening, and quarantine has like been the best thing for them because they had no choice but to get to go slow and get to know somebody. So um, I have um, one student that, I mean could never get past like a, you know, a third date or something. And she's in a full blown relationship right now because she was forced to like get to know this person over like a a slow four month period until they were like able to, and they didn't, um, they're in different cities. So like, Mm. um, they didn't, they didn't have the opportunity to, to quarantine together, but now that things are opening, they just started being able to see each other in person. And, uh, like I was, from the beginning, I was like, this is going to be the best thing for her. Like I just knew I was like, this is going to be the best thing. Like, hallelujah. 
quarantine because <laughs> she, she had no other choice and there was no anxiety of like, you know, is this person maybe seeing other people? Like that's not probably, you know, that's probably not happening if that's like one of her concerns or um, where is this going? Or like, is this progressing? Like she didn't mm-hmm. have to, she couldn't ask those questions because this was like the speed that it was going in. Uh, so definitely the slowing down is good for those of us who are use like our body to get um, gl- close to somebody sometimes like, and, and missing all the red mm-hmm. flags from the get go. And this, you know, this I think has been in the favor of those of us that that's like our, our situation. Definitely. That was my situation when I was dating. <laughs> so um, it's yeah, there's just no out. There are no other distractions. You're not at a bar. You're not, thinking about your next drink you're not thinking about what you're doing for brunch with your friends this weekend so it is that focused time with the person you're that you're talking to I would also say that we've had a few listeners say "Uh, I can't wait to meet this person so that I can see if my feelings are real we've been talking throughout the entire three months of lockdown and I can't wait to see if these feelings are are carried true when we meet in person. I would also say to anybody in this position, you're currently in a relationship. It, even though you haven't met that person in real life, you're still in a relationship. Your feelings are invested. You are still putting yourself into someone's life and integrating them into your life. So whether this relationship carries out in the real world with well quote unquote real world when you meet in person or not i wouldn't say don't don't feel disappointed or defeated that if it doesn't work out when you do meet because you're still going through a relationship this is all great practice for another relationship if this one doesn't work out that's a great point i think the other thing that's really nice about it is we have to remember that modern dating was not perfect before COVID 19. i mean how many times have people said like modern dating sucks and all this stuff so Mm -hmm. i think people kind of have amnesia that they wanted to go back to the way it was (laughs) this is like a good opportunity for us to create the dating life that we want. And I know for me personally, it got to a point when I was doing a lot of serial dating that I wouldn't even like add someone's number in my or name in my phone. Like I'd put their number in. I would, I wouldn't take that next one second step to add their name because I thought in my mind, there's a pretty good shot. I'll never see this person again. That's a terrible way to go into a date. I think like for me, like the best, uh, date I had that actually ended up turning into a relationship that I had from a dating app was someone that I was really excited to meet. Like we had really good banter ahead of time. I was genuinely excited to meet him. And I think that mindset shift really, I mean, one, we just got along well in person. It translated from digital to real life. But I think the mindset shift of having that excitement to meet up is so essential. And I'm hoping that that translates now, especially if you've done a few phone calls or video dates with someone at least you're weeding out the people that are just like wildly wrong for you at that point and you can get excited to actually meet the people that have made it through those steps in real life yeah it's kind of like when you're interviewing for a job chances are like they're going to first video like interview you over the phone you know so why why would we do this any other way um so right 
question. Speaking of like mindset, um, I know that you guys have a really nice Facebook group, which I love the name, Love in a Time of Corona, uh, <laughs> with by the Dateable <laughs> Podcast. And um, I was wondering if you've been seeing kind of mental health or mindset like slipping mm. during Corona. Like I've seen it a lot. So I was just wondering if you're seeing that in the group and what's been like your approach or take on that. I think the fact that more and more people are joining our Facebook group just shows that people really need support right now. Mm -hmm. uh, most of our conversations right now are turning into a, how are we how are you navigating through this? How are you dealing with this? And it's been really wonderful to see people support each other, but also just be really vulnerable during this time. Um, I think mental, we've all, always been such huge fans of just working on mental health. And we always say you have to work on your mental health first before getting into a healthy relationship. But now more than ever, I think because people are so alone with their thoughts that right. any sort of mental health, anything comes up, it becomes really amplified during this time. And for anybody who's starting to feel that suddenly you're not alone. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. are feeling this. And the first place you should go to is to find that support system. And you'd be surprised. Your support system doesn't have to be your closest friends or your your relatives, your family, which which are great support system. But sometimes it's nice to have a group of strangers yeah. who can give you really objective advice and who can look at your situation without knowing you. It's really nice to have that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think people have been handling the pandemic in various ways. And um, also with Black Lives Matter, that was just a very like, trying time. And yeah. it still continues to be it was just mentally exhausting. And that's I mean, I'm not even speaking as someone that is a black person in the US right now. Like, I don't even want to say what that feels like at this point. So I think there's just a lot going on. And we have to just you know, like everyone's trying to do their best right now. And that means how people support each other, how you support yourself. And I think just giving yourself some slack too, like trying to get better every day and having a growth mindset of how you approach everything from like, like interracial conversations to also just how you deal with dating, whatever it may be. I think you just want to make sure that you're supporting yourself, supporting others, and, you know, just getting incrementally better. Mm -hmm, definitely. And, you know, just being able to spend the time with your thoughts, like even like seeing the scariest thoughts, the thoughts of like, mm. what if I'm going to be alone forever? Well, what are, what if, what, you know, what if you are going to be alone forever? You know, I think that that right. is, like these thoughts have like shown up so much during, um, during a time of solitude. And um, being able to to see that, like all to like you know, the seeing like the, the 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 monsters like kind of that exist within us, especially when it comes to dating. So I have seen that to be like very beneficial and good, even though it was like it's it's scary, but at least we get to see like what's inside of us. So that's been like a good thing um, for that. But definitely, like I love the idea of of these groups because then you start to see that like you're not you you think you're alone, but you're not alone. Like there's so mm -hmm. what you're experiencing is something that like all, you know, so many of us in the same boat are experiencing. So that's 
beautiful that you guys brought that together during the most perfect time. <laughs> that has been so, a reoccurring theme for sure on this podcast and the Facebook group is that we are never alone in our situations. Like we might no, think we yeah. are, but we are not. Definitely. And I think that that's like, that's the beauty also of the Dateable podcast, like bringing a lot of those like intimate moments um, to, you know, like to the microphone <laughs> and being yeah. able to be like, oh, mm-hmm. see, they're just like us. Uh, so I love it. So, well, ladies, thank you so much for being here. I love it if you can share a little bit about like how people can connect with you. Um, I know you have the the amazing offering of the dating coaches that are on your website. So if anybody needs extra support when it comes to dating, that's available. The Facebook group, and of course, the podcast, the Dateable Podcast, which is anywhere you listen to podcasts. But anything else that you want to share or um, any last words? Check us out on our website is probably the easiest way. But like you mentioned, we're available on every major platform for the podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then datablepodcast.com is where you can find the coaching services you mentioned. And then at Datable Podcast on social media, Instagram is probably our most active channel. Awesome. That's anything for you, UA? That was that was it. <laughs> your, your partner did a good job. <laughs> did a very good job. Okay. All right, ladies. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for sharing your insight and, and thank you for the show. I mean, this is just like the beginning. There's so much more to um, you offer so much through the show. So I'm so grateful that you came on and we were able to introduce you to the final swipe community. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Nikki. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable.